you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Foss here from thechrisfossshow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the greatest podcast on earth, or at least known to myself. Uh, for 15 years, two to three times a weekday, we bring you the podcast billionaires, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and newsmakers, and the hottest authors come on to talk shop. It's showtime, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the big show, family and friends. The Chris Foss Show podcast family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law because, uh, you know, she's seen you. Anyway, guys, uh, welcome to the big show. We have an amazing gentleman on the show. He's going to be here to brighten your mind, expand your worldview, and make you glow with the sexiness that will roll off you and go. People will be like, man, you sure seem sexier today. And you'll be like, it's because I'm so smart because I listen to the Chris Voss show. 15 years, two to three shows a day. That's 10 to 15 a week, people. Remember, if you're not listening to all 15 shows that we're producing a week, there will be a test on Saturday. And you better pass or else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, we have an amazing gentleman on the show, as mentioned before. He is the author of The Growth Trap, a continuous plan to avoid the traps of life and build a better you. Just came out November 29th, 2022. Ralph D. Bugnara is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his experience, his life. We'll be talking about real estate, finances, uh, building a business, being a successful entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, I should say, and uh, Wall Street uh, Journal bestselling author. Uh, he is uh, all the aforementioned above and uh, is the author of The Growth Trap, as we mentioned. He uh, grew up struggling financially and uh, he knew he wanted more for himself. He didn't want generational poverty to be his future. He wanted to make a generational change. Now he holds the prestigious roles of president of Home Qualified, a digital resource for buyers and sellers, and vice president at Cardinal Financial, a newly recognized mortgage loan company. Ralph is a nationally recognized mortgage insider, has funded over $40 billion of loans for real estate. We should call and borrow some money from him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he also continues to manage his own expanding real estate portfolio with over $20 million. His expertise led him to start a series called The Real Estate Disruptors, where he interviews guests on investing, property guidance, and advice. His program focuses on creating an elite network of industry leaders to help brokers succeed and the social media driven economy welcome to the show ralph how are you i'm doing pretty good thanks for having me i love your energy there you go i ad lib the uh <laughs> we should call and borrow money so your inbox is probably gonna be full of audience members going can we borrow from you anyway yeah, welcome, to the show. Give us, welcome to the show give us your com so people can find you on the interwebs so, so it's ralph dibugnara d-i-b-u-g-n-a-r-a.com just like my name there you go. And uh, any other website uh, we should plug away at? That's, I mean, homequalified.com is a, is a really good website, which is my company for anything. If you're a, a beginner buying real estate or looking to invest a little further, but homequalified.com is kind of a great resource on that. We put stuff up almost daily, uh, 
just trying to advise people on the current market today and kind of how you how you grow a, a real estate portfolio. There you go. So uh, let's tease it out in your words. People like to hear it from the source. Uh, we gave you a little bit of a profile, but give us like a 30,000 overview of who you are, what you do, and uh, maybe some tease out on the book too. Sure. Um, uh, I'm a kid from Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Uh, I was, you know, not a blue collar family, but my father worked five jobs. So, you know, I kind of grew up in that, in that household in a small, a small neighborhood. I, it's a really a New York uh, second generation story for me. And I got into real estate and mortgages kind of by accident. I graduated during the dot-com bubble. There wasn't a lot of jobs. I got offered a sales job. I was trying to look for something to do with my life that wasn't what a lot of my friends were doing, which is the wrong stuff mm. that was going to end me in the wrong places. Oh. So I took a sales job. I took a chance on the business. And the business was great until about 2008. And, and I hit the market crash. And I lost everything. And I started over again. But I've been, I've been in real estate mortgages for... Over 20 years now at this point, I've been buying properties uh, for over 20 years at this point now. So that's really been my life. And now uh, I got a family and kids and um, they're really 50% uh, at least of my time, maybe someday 70% of my time now besides mortgages. And uh, that's kind of who I am, a 30,000 foot view. There you go. I love it. And I'm glad to see you made it back from the 2008 bottom out crisis from my heart to yours. I we, It wiped out 20 years of all the companies we had, uh, including our 20 year mortgage company in uh, 2008. And, uh, I just went, you know, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> you, know, you do a podcast and then live under the Vidoc most of the time in a van down by the river. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, let's talk shop here. What motivated you on to write the growth trap, a continuous plan to avoid the traps of life and build a better you. Yeah. You know, uh, during, uh, pandemic and COVID, I was in my office by myself a lot and, and working, working, but I had a lot more time to think about. Uh, and my, my children have kind of made me think back on, on my upbringing a lot and focus on that. And what I realized is that uh, I went through a lot of things in life where my, my growth was stopped. And what I consider the growth trap to be is kind of from when we're born until adolescence, we naturally get bigger, smarter, faster. Uh, we learn really easily. We adapt to things really easily because we don't know anything else. So everything's new to us. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a point in life. And for me, it was really around 14 years old where growth stops becoming easy and mm -hmm. you have to really force it. And a lot of us can't do it. And I've gotten to points where I can't do it in life, but where you just don't know what to do to kind of get past it or get to the next step. And some people get stuck, stuck yeah. forever. Uh, I've been stuck for a million times in my life and I'll be stuck a million times more. But but it's really, uh, the growth trap is really stories about um, my growth and, and my setbacks and other people like me or that you may know and their growth and their setbacks and kind of how we get over those obstacles. There you go. And I mean, that's the real story of life. I mean, some people go through life or they start out in life thinking, oh, my life will be perfect. There will be no rain and no trouble and no whatever. But, you know, and you learn this in stoicism, you, you plan that there's going to be some yeah. storms. There's going to be some pitfalls. And the real key is how you overcome those, as you talk about in your book. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what it is. And, you know, I, I, I was at a point in 2008 was a really uh, a good pivot for me in life in general. But I was at a point where like 2008 is a great example of it, right? Like the mm -hmm. market crash kind of forced my back against the wall. I lost all my money. I lost the apartment I was living. I, used to, I was living on Wall Street at the time in like the penthouse apartment uh, right down the street from my office. And six months later, I was broke. Uh, I was living in a studio or apartment outside of the city because um, like, I was kind of hiding and it's all I could afford. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of got my back forced against the wall 
and I had to figure out how to, to, to dig out of it. So my goal always at this point in general is to, to kind of force myself against the wall so I can't, the market or nobody else is able to do it for, to me or for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the best way to do. I mean, put the put the uh, straps on yourself to to make it work and and go, because no one else is going to carry you over the finish line, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not. not. <laughs> so, uh, in the book, you outline how growth is a natural part of life, and uh, I think that's you know uh, people who are resistant to change. You know, they you know for for years of my mortgage company and all the companies we had. Um, you know, people always say to me, hey, Chris, you should be a consultant. You should consult with people and teach them, you know, about all the stuff you learned and and uh, running companies and stuff. And I'm like, when do I have time? And so I guess the universe said in 2008, I don't really believe in that, but I guess it did for the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The joke was, you know, the universe was like, oh, Chris should be a consultant. Yeah, why don't we just get rid of that other stuff for him? And uh, he's got plenty of time now to go be a consultant and write books and crap. <laughs> Uh, so I guess that was, uh, you know, this is the journey of life. You know, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have a thing, but having a mindset that goes, Hey, stuff's going to happen. And, and having that, uh, having that, uh, tendon, uh, you know, that, that muscle that you can constantly come back to where, you know, that you've overcome challenges, uh, that, which what's the line that, which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, you know, and, and, and life is a big survival game. It's kind of how the universe works. It's survival of the fittest and, uh, it's not pretty, it's not fair. Um, and it's going to come out with you. Um, what were some of the stories maybe you could tease out or ideas and growth trap that we can uh, throw at people? Yeah, I think it started for me as early as high school where I was, I moved from one place to another, one city in New York to another city in New York. And, uh, I was a shy kid who was in a neighborhood where I was the most popular, the best athlete, all these things. And then I moved to a place where nobody knew me and I just quit everything. I literally, I quit sports. I quit going out. I quit kind of everything. I was just staying in the house because I didn't know, I wasn't ready for adversity and, and I didn't have any interest in getting over it. And that became a habit uh, in general for me through high school and even through college where I just kept, I, when I would do something until it got hard. And then as soon as it got hard, I would quit, uh, quit. And, and that just became what your habits can become anything, right? So my habit became quitting until I really got into the world and I got into business and I had no choice. I couldn't quit anymore. I was out in the real world now and I, I needed to make money. I needed to make something. And as soon as I started to find a little bit of success, I leaned into it. And then that became something until 2008. And then I had no choice but to quit because it made me quit. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to dig out of a lot of debt and through a lot of darkness, but what it gave me, and I think anybody you ever talked to who's hit a rock bottom moment in their life, what it gives you is, is the clarity to you can really get through every, anything if you really work at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that my biggest failure gave me um, the power to kind of see the light that I could still do things through. But yeah, I, I think that just quitting on anything can put you in any kind of trap, whether it's growth or mentally or um, depression or whatever it is. But I think whenever you quit on something and don't complete it, um, which is easy to do and it's hard not to do, mm -hmm. you just it could push you back and, and, and cost you years in some situations. There you go. And and sometimes you feel pushed back uh, in the growth trap, but you, you end up finding something better that you love. And sometimes sometimes you, you find something that's better. Like I used to have hundreds of employees that we were talking before the show with a mortgage company. Now I just have me and a couple of VAs. Uh, I love it. It's, it's really it's nice. Simple. 
yeah, I love yeah. I love talking to people like yourself. I I love hearing people's journeys, and I'm 55, man. I've put up with me all my life. I'm sick of me, so I love having other people <laughs> come on and tell me about their lives and and stuff going on. And, and I'm more interested in that, and I'm interested in telling great stories for audience and stuff like that. So sometimes you end up just on a better journey, and you're sure. just like I'm I'm in a better place. It sounds like you did too when you went through in 2008. Yeah, for sure. It definitely put me on a different path. And um, sometimes I think we're so attached to one identity mm -hmm. that we're afraid to give it up, right? Like, it's just like, oh, well, that was the person I was. And for me, um, I was this person who made it um, out of a neighborhood and away from my friends in a place that people did, weren't making it out of. So I felt like uh, I can't even let people know that I failed, which at the time was really probably the reason I kept going is because pride and everything else. So mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily the right reasons, but it, it gave me the power to kind of see, to, to see see my way through. But yeah, sometimes I think we're so connected to an identity, and that could be anything. That could be I'm a fitness person, or I'm a this person, or I'm a that person, or I'm a podcast person, and we we don't grow because we, we're just like, well, I, if I give that up, then then nobody's going to know me for anything. So you know, it, it's it's just continuing to create yourself into a, a bigger, better, better person. I think is what what I I've learned is something that's necessary throughout my life. There you go. And calling into the show is Kelly from LinkedIn. If growth were easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Isn't that true? Let's talk about something. Though. You, you bring up a great word, identity. And so many people, especially if you're maybe a CEO or a business, if you're married, you have a marriage identity uh, to that marriage, that, that relationship you have with the person, if it's not a marriage. Um we we carry through life all these identities or sometimes masks because there really aren't us a lot of times. They're like an identity that we put on ourselves. And I remember um, I had built over, I grew up poor and I grew up in identity of having money and cars and success and all the stuff that I thought meant that, you know, you've arrived. And I thought, of course, it would heal all my uh, childhood trauma and issues and the fact that I'm a, a psychotic human being, but it didn't. Damn it. <laughs> So, uh, but my, I remember going through the crisis and starting to lose everything. And then it became, it became the, what's the, what's they call it in psychology? It becomes, well, if I can just keep the three BMWs, if I can just keep the, the houses, if I can just keep yeah. the nice watches, it, you know, it's, you're uh, negotiating or you're, uh, you make compromises for the compromises. Things. Yeah. And, yeah. and the ship is sinking, you know, it's like Titanic and you're like, well, if I can just keep my luggage. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of comes down to where you got nothing left and you're in the water and you're just like, if I can just keep my life, I think uh, that might be the good thing. But yeah, you're doing that whole, that whole thing. And it's really hard because you built that identity and you have to go through the grief stage of losing it and stuff. And do you think that's part of the growth trap where people have that identity and they don't realize that sometimes that's not really you or not maybe who should be? No. No, you're a hundred percent, a thousand percent right. I, you know, that, that gets the, the, that's a great way to describe it. And I think I'm going to plagiarize you on a go forward. Go I think for that's it. Awesome. Go uh, for but it. you know, I think, I think at my, at my lowest point, um, all I wanted to do was get back to being comfortable. And like you said, like, I just want enough money where I can have this, or I just want to be comfortable. I had it so good. I messed it up, but I just wanted to get comfortable. And then I got back to a point, you know, probably in about 2013, 2014, where I was comfortable again, like four or five years again, I got, I was comfortable again. And after a few months of being comfortable, I realized how miserable it was making me because I wasn't being challenged at that point anymore. So like this place I had to be, I needed to be, that wasn't it either. Like I, I, you know, I needed to continue to challenge myself and continue to change and become a better person. 
Um, and being comfortable wasn't what I, I really needed, but at, at some point that felt like everything, right? Because I was mm -hmm. making all these compromises, like you said, with yourself. But I think, you know, we have to, we have to keep ourselves useful. I, I, I watched, um, this is a few months ago. I watched that, uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah. And he's, and, and the one thing I took out of it more than anything was that, uh, he was taking care of his mini horses and he said, every single day I go out to the stable and I, and I, and I, clean, the, I clean up the, the crap and I take care of my mini horses. And he said, I just want to be useful every single day. And that really stuck with me so much. Like he just needed to give himself a purpose, right? Every single day. And I think we have no, when we have no purpose and we have no growth that we, we're just too comfortable. We almost die. Like uh -huh. we almost sit there and we're not living, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I went through, I built my business as my best friend for 20, uh, 22 years. We were friends, best friends. I would have, I would have gone to prison, uh, help. I would have helped him bury a body and go to prison. Uh, he was my best friend and he was my business partner for 13 years as my vice president. And we had uh, a pretty good run. And then, uh, you know, we hit hard times uh, and then, uh, one day he quit and that was it. And, um, I had been living my life like uh, he was my Jackie Matley Martin, Jacqueline Martin Lee. Yeah, like Howard Stern. to Howard Stern. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't think that I thought he was part of my mojo and that I couldn't live without him. And uh, there's a, it's the stories in my book that people can read. Uh, it's a famous story about him handing the keys to me one day and he sabotaged your businesses and threw them. He, his intent was to throw all the companies into bankruptcy so he could walk away from the debt, which I would have gladly just paid him off and given him money rather Got than wrecking the yeah. businesses. It was the most dumbest thing anyone could ever do. But thanks, Yoko Ono. Um, <laughs> so uh, we got Yoko Ono, basically. So, um, so trying to recover from that was really hard and that was part of my identity. And then I, I went through that and then I realized just like Howard Stern realized that it had always been me all along. It, he was, he was walking behind me. He was following me. I was the CEO. I was the visionary doing all the stuff and it was always me. And like you talked about, you have to realize that you're you it's really you the person it isn't a mask you wear the identity that you put on like i'm the real estate agent i'm the mortgage sure. broker i'm chris fucking voss and it was me and and when i hit 2008 i just went through the same pattern of like okay well it's me and i i all this stuff doesn't mean shit anymore you know that old line from fight club where the stuff you own ends up owning you and, uh, you know, you're not your job, you're not your wallet, you're not the car you drive. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and so like when I went through the crisis with the coronavirus, uh, thing where everything got shut down and we lost, you know, <laughs> tons of money for events and stuff that we normally would travel and do. Um, I just went back to like, okay, you know, you're still Chris Voss, as you mentioned before, you know, you're still you, and that is the vehicle that is the identity and no one can take that from me. The, I, I, you know, I was like, the only person who can take away who I am and my identity now in the core of who I am and my brain and my building is you got to kill me. So that's yeah. it. You can kill me, run yeah. me over the car, or, you know, give me cancer, kill me off. But until then, I got I got a fight that I can make. So what do you think of that? Yeah, you're 100% right. I, I think that um, we hear a lot of things uh, growing up and through our adult and all those things, and they sound really good to say, but sometimes you don't understand what they are. And, and I think the two things that I've always heard is money's not everything. Um, you know, most importantly, money's not everything. And doing things the right way takes a long time, but, but you'll, you'll reap the benefits of it eventually. And as I've gotten older in life, I realized those two, two things are true. 
uh, money came and went and then money came back again. And when it got to a point, I'm like, how much money do you really need in life to have the things you want? I think children or family puts that in perspective one. And the other thing is that, um, you know, it's hard to do the right thing all the time, right? We always, we, we kind of all want that quick way to get uh, famous or rich or whatever it is. And whenever I've gotten to something easy or quick, and it, I think somebody said in the comments, right, growth is hard, that, or they would do it. Yeah. Um, it. It's never lasted. And I think what lasts is, is, is going through the processes of doing things the wrong way and changing your identity, right? And realizing that you're the person that can, can do anything as long as you believe in yourself. And, and, and that's what's really resonated with me to this day. Like those two kind of, you know, faux pas sayings that we that we kind of say because they sound the right way are really the truth, but you have to live it to understand it, and and you have to you kind of keep moving forward. There you go. I remember one time we were going through a, a huge loss in our portfolio, and you know what that's like to lose money in your portfolio, usually because of rates or For something sure. like that. And you, you've yeah. got a float, and you don't have your shit locked in. And and I remember it was the I think it was ninety eight. And the Russians pulled some shit. I don't remember what it was, but basically, something, yeah. you know, we <laughs> our our portfolio of you know we we were doing like three hundred loans a month, and our portfolio that was on the float that wasn't locked in, um, lost four hundred thousand dollars over the course of yeah overnight yeah. yeah yeah and then another time we did the we did that too with about seventy five thousand, uh, which is the day before um uh, nine eleven. That's a whole other story, um. <laughs> But I remember uh, drinking one of those nights and just thinking I was getting wiped out. Now, of course, this is pure profit. This wasn't like we were going to lose money and the, the company was going to tank. It was just basically 400 bucks that was pretty much guaranteed in the bank and just yep. hit the shit week. So Gone. you're like, well, there goes 400000 profit. Who needed that, really? Um, you know, I don't need another car. Um, <clears throat> and so... <laughs> You know, we don't need to build a new office. But I remember uh, getting smashed one night, and I was watching Humphrey Bogart in The Treasure of Sierra Madre, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm 30 years old, and and this is happening, and just my whole world just seems to be crumbling around me. And at the end of the the treasure of the, the treasure of the Sierra Madre, the they lose everything, and I think Bogey something happens to Bogey, and it's it's the old man miner. And uh, it's the young guy who was assisting them. And if you've ever seen the film, that's where the line, that's where the famous line, we don't need no stinking badges, come from. Uh, <laughs> it didn't come from uh, the great comedians uh, uh, of pot in the 70s. But you've heard that line repeated everywhere. But that's where the line comes from. And, uh, and he, he says, he basically looks at the old man, miner, and, and the young guy. And he's like, what are we going to do now? We just lost the gold. We lost the mine. We lost everything. And he goes, Cheer up. You're young. You've got plenty of fortunes you're going to make over the next life, and you're going to make them. Just go back to work and do what you did before, and there it is. Something to the effect of that. I, I can't find it online, it seems. Yeah. But that saved me. I was like, wow, I'm still pretty young. You know, a lot of people that became successful in life sometimes didn't get started in their 40s or 50s. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of runway still that, you know, it's never, too, it's never ever too late. Yeah. yeah, it's it's ne it's really isn't. It's never uh, it's never too it's never too late to kind of get started on on what's going to be next. And, and you know that's the one thing I can say. I can I'm 45 now. Um, mm -hmm. I can say uh, through my life, and I don't know everything far from it, but I could say nothing has ever happened that completely broke me. No shift in the market. No, and I and that doesn't make me special at all. I think that we're all we we kind of build things up on our brain to tell us, oh, if this happens, it's. Nothing is ever going to be too much to bear almost, right? We can, mm -hmm. anything 
I mean, you see things. This happened a few years ago, and, I, and I, I swear I wish I would have recorded something on this, but there was that fire festival, right? And that guy did the fire festival, and he went to jail and all that stuff, right? And I swear, I've been saying it for the last five years, I said, this guy will get out of jail, he will do it again, because he's clearly very capable of convincing people of whatever he wants to convince them of, and he'll do and, – and look, he's going to, and that, now I don't know if he's doing it the right way or the wrong way, but the bottom line is that he's doing it again, right? Yeah. And people are going to go and it just, I don't think anything is, is going to cave you in. Like, I, you know, I just think that it's, you're going to go through, through valleys, right? And, and, and we just have to figure out if that valley is something, how do we address that valley? Not, oh, this is the end. I have to, it, nothing's ever going to be the end. And, That's you know, the, 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 the example you make of, of, of the rush, whatever it was, I don't remember what it was at the time, but like, like being in the mortgage business, there has been a billions of rate changes and this, this, and that. And everybody's like, "What do you think that happened? Is this the end?" And my answer is always, "No." I, you know, and it just it'll go like this, and it just it will get it's back like to a high business. point again, and we'll get to the high point. We'll think it'll it'll never be this good. It's never going to be bad again, and then we'll get bad again, and it'll never be that good again. Like yeah. it's just these extreme thoughts that aren't reality. They just what we're building it up to be in our head, and I, you know, it's never always good, and it's never always bad. Life is always going to change on you, and you have to always adapt. Stay out of the growth trap. Uh, Matthew Fulton calls in from Facebook. When the quality of life slowly improves, it's easier to forget how far you have come. That's a great. That's, that's so a true. great saying. Thank yeah. you, Matthew. Um, because you know, like I mentioned in my earlier thing, I was the Howard Stern the whole time. I didn't need Jackie Martin Lee, like or Matty Lee or whatever his name is. Uh, I didn't need him. And, you know, uh, Howard went through the same thing where he's like, holy shit, it's been me the whole time. It's and still how me. how powerful you are, yeah. And how powerful uh, you are. And and me being able to do all the creating that I always did because I created all of our companies. And then he just kind of helped me out. Uh, and he was very supportive and he was a good partner. I was the visionary and he was the guy who could do the rudimentary stuff so I could envision something. And I'd be like, here, go do that over and over again. It'd be fine. He loved that. If you asked him for an idea, like write an idea down on a, on a notepad, he'd be like, I got no idea. Got it. But he was yeah. good at that. <laughs> so um, you have built a, uh, uh, a $20 million plus uh, real estate portfolio. How'd you do that? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Is that a correct number? I'm, this might be old data here. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, it's probably a little bit north of that right now just because the market's crazy in certain markets. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty close to what it is. Um, I, you know, I started to build it in 2003, mm -hmm. uh, and I lost 95% of it in 2007. And then I started to rebuild it again in 2011. Uh, and I, you know, from really 2011 until now, outside of a few properties, I've built it and just, you know, slowly, um, I learned that the first time around when I made all the mistakes and I lost most of my properties, it's because I just had the wrong strategy and I didn't know it was the wrong strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the second time around, um, I wasn't trying to get rich or build it quick. I was just trying to build it right. And there I think that's go. really, really important too, there right? Like what, what, my, what is my foundation? Uh, so I went into, you know, buying um, long-term rental properties. And when I say long-term, anything over 12 months, I really stuck to the residential field because I know that better than commercial and I'm, I understand it a little bit uh, more. So anything that was over a one-year lease, I started building it that way. Mm -hmm. and, and that was conservative and it was safe and I wasn't going to become a, a millionaire overnight over it, but long-term it was a really, really good investment because it, and most of all, of course, the reason it's a good investment and you'll understand this is that buying investments like that made it really, really easy for me to outrun my mistakes. 
So mm-hmm. even if I bought the wrong property, as long as I was collecting rent over the long term and I had some kind of exit strategy, it was very hard for me to get hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, I started there and then in 2019 or 19, I guess, when the COVID started, the pandemic started um, and rates dropped into the twos and threes, mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it as an opportunity to buy, to start buying even more. There and I kind of supercharged my buying in, in that two year period because it was, I could buy very cheaply as far as rates went. Mm-hmm. And I built um, a really large Airbnb portfolio during that time over two years. I bought a bunch oh, wow. of Airbnb properties in, in like six different states. Mm-hmm. And so now my portfolio was kind of 50 50. It's mm-hmm. 50 long term and 50 short term rentals. Um, and, I, and that's really, it's, it's made me kind of diversified and it's not a straight line and it's very hard every single day. Um, but it's, I know where my money is. And, you know, I've lost a lot of money in the stock market and other investments just like everybody else. And when I found, when we go through times like this, where we're in a high inflation and recession possibly and crazy markets, I kind of try to double down on the things I know and I understand real estate and I understand long-term real estate. So I just, when we go through times like this, I, I lean into that even further. And when we go through times where it's, it's a better time to buy, I lean in further. And I've just built it slowly over time and that's where I am now. There you go. Now on your website, you've got a few different offers and things that you're working on and you've dedicated yourself now to being on a mission to empower the next generation of real estate investors and growth. Uh, successful careers, successful lives, and become future leaders. Me, I'm just, I'm just, uh, ins- uh, I'm on a mission to get everyone to live under the Vidoc with me. So I love your, uh, <laughs> I love your thing. So there's some programs on your website. Uh, I think there's an offer on there. There's also a network thing. Tell us about some of the offerings that you have to help people uh, realize some of the success you've had. Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff for free still. Um, mm-hmm. I do like teaching, and I think you know, and I'm not a saint. I, you know, I. I by doing by educating people for free in real estate or investing it draws people into me and we figure out how to grow business together and that's what i really like to do but i have a meetup group that's completely free mm-hmm. um that you can find on my instagram page which is debug d-i-b-u-g um okay. or you can find a meetup under my name or the disruptors network and that's just free education i do a couple of times a month i either do uh anything anything about real estate investing it could be airbnbs it could be long term it could be what's the strategy now and then I specifically have a course on my website for Airbnb buying, and mm-hmm. um, that's called the Next Real Estate Gold Rush. And it's just really about uh, how you buy those properties, how you set them up, how you furnish them, how you market them, where you should be buying. Uh, and that's an online course that you can go through on your own. And then we meet about once a month to discuss what's going on in the market uh, now. So we meet there 12 you. times a year to kind of discuss what's going on. But those are the two things that I really uh, I'm doing to educate on this point. And then locally, I'm in New York and New mm-hmm. Jersey. I have um, academies that we try to run once a year where I bring people in and try to help them get licensed as either a real estate agent or a loan officer. Uh, it's through our tutelage of doing things the, the right way. And I teach them how to learn the business and how to buy properties. And that's underneath my company. There you go. And so how do people get uh, familiar with you, reach out to you, uh, on board with you, et cetera, et cetera. So my website's great. And on my Instagram, my Instagram, again, it's D-I-B-U-G, which mm-hmm. is a variation of my last name. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active on there. I post videos probably two to three times a week that talk about either what's going on in the market or how, what I'm investing in now, what I see to kind of be what's going on uh, current, current events-wise in, in the real estate business. And uh, that's a great way to kind of consume my content or my YouTube page and, and message me. I, I, I will, it may not be that day, but I will respond to every single message that I, message I get sent on there. 
There you go. Uh, and, and that's a great measure to take and do. Um, you know, real estate is a great investment over the long term. You know, I mean, the market yep. will go up and down, but real estate usually goes up. They're not making any more of it. Uh, and uh, in fact, they're not really building a lot of houses. The inventory is pretty locked that's, down. No, it's a big part of the problem. Was, yeah. <laughs> what are some of your thoughts on uh, the future of the real estate market? We should know people that watch this 10 years from now. It's 2023. Um, I know New York and a, and a couple cities are starting to get a little unfriendly at Airbnb. What are, your, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, t so um, if you're looking to be an Airbnb owner, I'll, I'll start there real quickly. Where I found you can be safest is... Mm -hmm. Buying properties in vacation areas that have always been vacation areas. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I really believe that to be the best strategy uh, mm -hmm. where I've seen a drop off this year in my Airbnb income, probably 20 to 25%, but mm -hmm. I've seen either the least drop off or the highest gain in markets that, you know, I have a property in North Carolina, for instance, it's an ocean isle, it's a beach community that's always oh. been a vacation area, oh, right? Yeah. It's always been a short term and that, that didn't drop off at all. So I think where mm -hmm. you can be insulated from the market and where you possibly can find deals right now because it's the end of summer, people went back to school, our oh. vacation areas to Airbnbs. I think as far as the future of where the market holds, if you buy now over the next two years, you will see some kind of gain in equity by default because we're still about 3 million homes short nationwide of a normal, healthy real estate market. 3 million homes short for sale mm -hmm. of a normally healthy real estate market. And we're about... 7 million homes short of a normal, healthy rental market. Jesus. So if you're in either of those markets right now, um, you're going to see gain no matter what, just because we're dealing with a shortage. Yep. And at some point, whether it's in 2024 or 2025 or whenever it is, rates will drop again. Yeah. Um, not to the twos and threes, but they'll drop into the fives. Mm -hmm. And that'll be a good time to, um, you'll see values increase again. So now is a good time to buy, even though rates are high. If you can find the right property that fits your budget, now is a good time to buy because you're going to get artificially built-in equity over the next couple of years by accident. Yeah, just by the short, just by the shortfalls in, in inventory, um, sure. and it takes so long to build and gets uh, get all their uh, you know all their citations and everything you need, past city code and zoning and all that crap to build. Everything else. I, yeah. I really believe that. Um, I wish the Biden administration uh, would would put out a thing where they'd just be like somehow, you know, we've had lots of investors on that build multifamily, and that seems to be kind of the way that goes. And there's there's some reason they build multifamily because of, you know, young people can't afford these high prices, and uh, sure. a lot of people aren't getting married anymore. They're staying single for longer, so they're not combining those two incomes, and they can't afford a home. And there's kind of no reason, like, you know, it's, uh, you know, for, for a guy like me who's single, I'm like, I, the only reason I have a home is because I have a dog, two dogs, and they need a backyard. Yeah. Otherwise, I would probably end up being a, in a condo or an apartment or something. Um, the, uh, but, you know, a lot of people don't need it. But I, I wish they would come out with, uh, and I think there's a Wall Street Journal this came from. I think it's the Wall Street Journal or the WAPO. Somebody wrote an opinion piece about how the HUD needs to, the housing and urban development of the U.S. Uh, needs to maybe come up with some sort of bonus program where they're like, hey, we'll encourage contractors to Yeah, I, I will tell home. you that there's more um, down payment assistance programs today mm -hmm. than there maybe ever been. You know, mm -hmm. every state, there's, there's a few national programs, one of them being something called Chinoa. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's a, a bunch of local programs, depending on what state and city you live in, that are helping people buy houses today. Because I think because affordability is an issue right now, because yeah. of prices and interest rates, the government is, they are stepping in the government agencies, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and a bunch of other, to, to create these down payment assistance programs. So those do exist, and we're doing a lot more of that business over the last six months. So 
if, if something you're interested in buying and you know, you have to meet a, a certain income bracket and stuff like that to qualify, but it's worth looking into or at least asking a question about because it may help you get into a house now where it, it would have been impossible. There you go. Well, the best, no down, uh, easiest way to get a home I found is be a squatter. No, I'm just don't. <laughs> Yeah, that too. <laughs> when I lived, I was in Vegas, uh, of all places to be when the home, uh, when the housing crash happened, uh, my neighborhood, and I was like up in this new area that was way far away from the city, and no one wanted to live there, especially after the crash, and they, they were just throwing up houses like it was going out of style. Uh, in my neighborhood, there was, uh, you know, all these homes, I don't know, 50, 60 homes. And you would go out at night, or, or, even the day, and people would be like, hey, wow, you so beautiful out here. You got stars and crickets and stuff. And I'm like, those aren't crickets. Those are the chirping of all the fire alarm batteries um, <laughs> right. that, that no one's replaced. <laughs> so nobody's changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what it was is a lot of the homes that were in Vegas, a lot of the California people had bought them as second homes. So they weren't, no one was checking on them. So there'd be, you know, always squatters that would move in and then the house would burn down or something. And or something or the, co happen, the yeah. cops would show up and be like, <laughs> be like, hey, you got to leave. And they already had their next house. And like literally it was one out of every four houses on my block that was empty. It was like walking through a ghost town when I walked the dogs. It was crazy, man. So there you go. Uh, why don't we touch on that you uh, do and help with people uh, before we go? Did we miss um, anything? No, I, th I think that's probably the most, most of it. <laughs> there you go. Um, we got all I'm willing to, uh, I'm always open to have a conversation about real estate. Um, if, whether you're somebody who's beginning or somebody who's trying to grow your portfolio, whatever it is. Um, my father was a teacher and a principal and he's still a professor at 75 years old and he still teaches. Good so I think him. that uh, my, uh, ultimately, even though he told me I was never allowed to be a teacher, I, I have that in me that I like to educate. So if you have any questions, if I have the information, I'm pretty transparent. I will give it to you. There you go. An awesome sauce. Give us your dot-coms again so people can find you on the interwebs. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Check me out at ralphdbagnara.com and homequalified.com. And that has uh, all the information about me, anything that we're putting out content-wise, my own podcast, which is the Disruptors Network, uh, the book, um, the YouTube channel, and real estate news kind of as it's happening daily goes up on those two websites. There you go. Well, Ralph, it's been fun to have you on the show and awesome and very inspiring. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having me, Chris. Thank you. And folks, order up his book, Wherever Fine Books Are Sold, uh, November 29th, 2022, The Growth Trap, A Continuous Plan to Avoid the Traps of Life and Build a Better You. And I love our discussion on uh, identity. That was really good and hopefully helps a lot of people. Uh, thanks, Monis, for tuning in. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Did you know that? I mean, I just want you to know if you did you know that? <laughs> anyway guys uh be sure to refer the show to your family friends and relatives go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss youtube.com for chess chris foss linkedin.com for chess chris foss and chris foss one on the tickety talkie as the kids say that's not what they say thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time a lot of fun show man